Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues live on Spotify Green Room, uh, formerly Locker Room. Uh, we're here talking now. Great. Um, the I am uh, Steve Lipman. I'm joined, as always, by Dan Volpone and Emily Connell. Dan, I want to start with you. It's been a few days since the Sixers lost Game 7 to the Hawks at home. How are you feeling emotionally? I'm fine. It's just, just like frustrated, but I don't know. That's it, really. I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, my friend texted me this morning about like, cause the Hawks won Game One against uh, Milwaukee last night, and he was like, in the postmortem, like, how do we feel if, if uh, the Hawks go ahead and beat Milwaukee and let's say win the title, like, how do we feel now about losing that series? And I was like, we should feel worse because we should have beat that team. Uh, completely, we were up by 20 points twice, lost both of those games. You know, it's just like, we can do this forever. Emily, how are you? About the the, the Bucks and the Hawks? No, just how are you in general? Um, I'm fine. Yeah. There's a large tree in my backyard that's consuming a lot of my attention and energy. Um, and... Like, do you think it's gonna... A- do you think it's too large? Like, it's gonna topple? No, like, the neighbor cut it down and it fell into my yard. Oh, what the fuck? (laughs) And then they didn't tell us or get it removed. So there's just a giant tree over our entire yard. Oh, shit. So what's going to – is Jordy going to have to go over there and crack some heads? Well, I talked to our landlord, and I'm trying to get our landlord to crack heads, but I've never met the man in two years that we've lived here, so I don't have a ton of confidence in his, like, assertiveness. And do you know who the neighbor is that did this? No, because it's another landlord and he rents the house out, but it's like between tenants. So he's just like fixing it up and just like cutting trees down and letting them fall in other people's. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. I guess the neighbor could be Ben Simmons. Is it a nice house? It is a nice house. It's three stories with a roof deck. So. Um, well, good for them. Three stories with a roof deck sounds very nice. Do you guys have deck outside space area? Well, you obviously have a backyard, which is nice. Yeah, we have like a little patio with a grill and a table. Luna likes to hang out there. I'm like, thank God Luna wasn't outside when the tree came down. Yeah, really. Um, all right. So to the, oh, Emily just sent us the picture of the tree and, and it's, wow, that's a huge tree. That, that's it's a lot. Literally. Um, <laughs> that, that's really a lot. Um, so on to the Sixers, you know, they did basically since the other night when we spoke, they have had their, you know, media availability. I have some quotes bookmarked here. We can start with uh, Doc, who, uh, you know, I don't know what we can really take away from Doc. He, uh, after the game, was talking about how we're not going to make this a negative, that they were swept last year. It's like, holy shit, who told him to say that? Um, he told, was talking about Simmons and we know what the right work to do is, and we're going to go ahead and do the right work. Uh, Emily, did you take anything away from what Doc said at the end of the year? And also, you know, we can just talk about Doc staying because it's very clear after Daryl spoke that, like, Doc is going to remain the coach. So how do you feel about uh, Doc in the wake of everything? Well, I think we all assumed as much as 
in the in the heat of the loss we wanted you know doc gone i think everyone knew that he was staying that they there was no way they were gonna um fire him after one year even though his ex like they didn't hit the expectations um in terms of ben he can say all he wants that ben's gonna do all this work in the off season but i don't trust ben to do it so therein lies the problem i think yeah and and, uh, and like also who knows if doc's thinking like sort of like the magic johnson meme like he's not going to be here next year so it's like he can do all the work he wants he won't be here um dan what about you what did you think about anything doc said and uh uh any of your takeaways from uh sort of him sticking with the team i mean every time he speaks i just want to pull my hair out. <laughs> all he says is things that the coach shouldn't be saying. It's so frustrating. And he was talking earlier, like, you know, the, the goal was to, you know, or what earlier, I mean, you know, before they lost, you know, the goal was to, to get further in the playoffs and they didn't do that. They, they, I, I don't really know what his point is. I mean, we were the one seed we lost to the Hawks. So, you know, we, we also made it to the second round two of the three years before he got here and the the one year was because Ben Simmons was hurt and that team didn't have Danny Green, that team didn't have <clears> Seth Curry. <throat> so to act like I mean I brought up the point on the pod this weekend or, you know, right after the game. Um that in some ways it's a, it's a, a success that you now feel like Joel B can a hundred percent be the number one guy on a championship team and and you feel that, you know, the problems are now so obvious that even the team can't deny them and they have to do something, which, you know, I felt like they should have been making changes before. Um, I don't know what they can do about it now, but um, so I thought those were some positives, but to act like from, you know, a coaching perspective and from the perspective of the actual roster that that was there, this is a success. I, I really don't see how it was. That's certainly not a playoff success. Um, And then, you know, in terms of the, the Ben stuff where he knows what work he has to do, <laughs> like, do you, do you, because you've worked with him all season and denied anything was wrong. And then like, you're not the first person to try to fix Ben. Right. Ben's been in the league for five seasons. He played four of them, but he had a full year injured where they, I'm sure pushed him to do certain things. Ben has, you know, basically shrugged off a lot of what the team wanted him to do for work. I mean, um, we can talk, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but, you know, in your own piece, he mentions that the Sixers had a, a shooting coach working with Ben and they had, you know, all these things they wanted them to do. The guy couldn't get Ben to shoot. And when he pushed Ben to shoot, Ben refused to work with him anymore and started working with his brother as a shooting coach. Right? Yeah. So like, who's to say that, you know, why do you think you're the one who can do it? Maybe he is, but like, I guess, you know, you need that kind of, you know, I I don't want to say arrogance, but like self-belief to be an NBA coach. And I get that, you know, I don't have any issue with him, you know, believing in his ability to do it, but I personally do not believe in his ability to do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, these aren't new problems with Ben. It's not like he, just now had a bad series and they need to get a, get ahead of it. It's like these problems were just more pronounced in the, in the playoffs. And uh, he's never been good in the second round. Like we've seen this now three times in every playoffs that we've had with Ben, he hasn't been effective in the second round. Um, And in the first round, when we're playing, you know, fringe playoff teams, he's been very good, but, it just matters a lot more as the playoffs go on. We'll talk more about Ben when we get to Yaron's article. You know, the other thing about Doc's quotes, like, as a fan, I just wish he would level with me and be like, this sucked. Like, that was not what we wanted to do. Like, we're embarrassed, which Daryl sort of did. Daryl looked like he had been beat up, you know, in his uh, post-game talk. But, you know, just like – just level with the fans and be like, this was obviously not the goal and we failed and I have to be better. And so does everybody else. And, you know, it won't happen again. You know, I, I guess that's, it's hard to say that for them, but, um, cause doc obviously has his own job security to think about, but uh, I wish he was a bit more candid in that way, but you know, what can we do? 
I wish from what we could tell, like, was he even asked that much about a lot of the weird decisions he made? It's a good like, question. I don't in, know. I, I don't want to assume specific. that he wasn't because the Sixers have really good beat people, but um, I, I did not specifically see people asking, like, why did Dwight keep playing over and over or, you know. Why were we 10 deep in a game seven, including yeah. Danny Green out? Yeah. I mean, I, the only thing, you know, I wrote a little bit about uh, Doc. I wrote about Ben um, for Liberty Ballers. The only thing about going 10 deep in game seven is – Doc might have felt like he had to because he didn't know who he could actually rely on in any given game. So you end up trying shake. Now I think trying shake in the fourth quarter was a nightmare and and embarrassing. But like you end up trying shake and Hill and Maxi and Dwight and you know whatever like because you don't know who's going to be good because the Sixers bench people players weren't consistently good enough. Emily, is that what you think too, or do you think even still like it's not really excusable to be that? Uh, go that deep in a game seven. I think I'm with you, Steve. I don't know. Like how, what, what is the short in rotation that works? Like, I don't think there is one. So I, I think he was just like throwing stuff at the wall and trying to see what sticks and nothing stuck because no one on the bench is like, they're all like not good enough. We have a lot of almost good enough players, but no one good enough to like, solidify their spot in the rotation if that makes sense yeah i mean but the frustrating part is that of all the things he threw at the wall to see what sticks he never tried when joel sits no dwight you know essentially ben at the five which i just think is like a total oversight and again we've talked about this but like i'm not even a ben should play five guy but like in a series where that the one thing we really know is that dwight isn't working um you know, to not try that just feels like short-sighted and uh, and like a big mistake. So it's what it's what know. happens when you don't experiment the whole season, right? Like, like Doc was comfortable with his rotations. He was comfortable with what he did when Joel wasn't on the floor, and he did the same thing over and over again. And we reached the point where, in a seven-game series, teams can almost game plan for anything. Um, they can certainly game plan for Tobias plus bench. I don't think that's a that's a tough one to figure out how to how to mess with. And the Sixers had tried nothing else all year, and Doc wasn't comfortable going to anything he hadn't tried, so we just went down with the same awful lineup. And I even feel like, you know, I think the fact that it gets put on Dwight so much, and he was bad, but, like, that's not all on him. The fact, like, you know, people want to bring up the plus-minus numbers, but Dwight is the only player on the team who doesn't play with Joel, who's our best player. And he's the only player on the team whose only minutes are going to be with Tobias and bench, right? That's like the only time Dwight is playing and that lineup is awful. And he's not the only reason that lineup is awful. So like, yes. he deserves like some blame. Like he was, he was just bad even besides that. But those plus and minus numbers really, you know, overdo it. He, he, it was, I think that's really a lot more. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's impossible to not talk about Ben every third sentence. But, like, uh, I wrote about this, and throughout the season, we're, we're all yelling about Dwight, and why is Dwight playing, and Dwight can't play with Ben, and, you know, go get Luke Cornett. He would be a great shooter. Like, how would Daryl not get, like, some uh, center in here who can shoot a bunch of threes and not play defense? Like, the only reason that is an issue is because the team's primary initiator can't and won't shoot. Like, and that's a bigger problem. Like here, obviously during the season, you need to, you know, make things better for the roster that you have. But now it's the off season. And like, what's the real problem? Is the real problem that Dwight Howard on a veteran minimum was like imperfect? Or is the real problem that like the team's second best player can't do all of these very basic things? Um, Daryl Morey also talked. Uh, Daryl looked pretty uh broken up about you know the Sixers loss and he said it's my job to get the best players we didn't quite have good enough players um Maury was also asked once again this, these are both from Kyle Newbeck uh if he'll commit to Ben specifically being here next year he said we have a very strong group we believe in none of us can predict the future of what's going to happen he reiterates that they'll look at any move to get better um obviously it's all like you know, media speak and, and it's not, you know, there's not too much weight that you can put into anything, any of these things. Personally, I was surprised that Darrow didn't just lie 
and say Ben will be here yet next year because they all lie. This is like I don't blame any of them. Like, you know, I, I, I just, you know, four months ago when Harden was trying to get traded, there was a report that the Sixers had put Ben Simmons on the table. Then Daryl gave a quote to Shams and said, we are not trading Ben Simmons. He's an important piece of our future. And then, of course, tried to trade him for Harden. But, like, the fact that he would so boldly lie then and not now just sort of has me thinking, like, you know, the Ben thing is probably going to come to a head uh, this offseason. Um, I see a question in the chat, which we'll get to after we th- get through with uh, talking about uh, Daryl's comments here. Emily, what did you think of what Daryl had to say um, after the season? Yeah, I was a little surprised that he didn't lie, like you said, but I kind of appreciate it. Like, they all lie all the Me time, too. but if you can also be honest, like, I guess I can appreciate honesty. Um, I'm glad, like, Daryl was the one that seemed the most, besides the players, like, out of Daryl and Doc, Daryl seemed much more upset about the loss than Doc, which is kind of not good, not great. Um so yeah, those were like my general thoughts. I just think we, I mean, it just says, it's just like mumbo jumbo. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, of course the team needs to get better. They didn't win the title. So like the team needs to get better. That's obvious. You're just like talking, saying things that everyone knows and talking in circles without actually saying anything, but that's what all of these exit interviews are. So. Um, the other thing that Daryl said is if we're squeaking by the second round, that tells me we're probably not good enough to win the title, which I, I really appreciate him saying because he, you know, for a few minutes, he was talking about game seven and like all of the different things that went into losing game seven. And he was talking about how, um, you know, basically they missed, you know, they only made 40% of their looks in transition and all of these things could have gone the other way. But then. I'm glad, you know, because obviously that's not the point. The point is it of it is that if we're squeaking past the Hawks, we're not good enough to win the title. Dan, what did you think about Daryl's quotes? Uh, yeah, I mean, they clearly were not good enough to win the title. They couldn't beat the Hawks um, in a seven-game series. And and all those things that, you know, he points out in Game 7, right, and, you know, I think some of the biggest are are – you know, obviously that pass down the stretch and the Matisse foul where he just smacks Herder on the head. Um, and even, you know, you throw in, you basically punted game one because Doc had no game plan. You blew the huge leads in four and five, right? Like, those aren't things that a winning team does. Like, a winning team doesn't do all of those. And you watch the team's demeanor on the court and, like, I don't like want to put people into like categories of winners or losers or anything like that. I think that's kind of a dumb way to to talk about things. But like it just in a general sense, like this team this year, did they like strike you as a team that had like a winning attitude? Like the Hawks were relentless. They had big comebacks that they and they were they were winning almost all of I think, you know, four out of the five close games played in that series and and Trey Young was was was, you know, relentless trying to score even when he struggled you know he wasn't looking away from the rim and they didn't have a center trying to initiate the offense from 20 feet like like they were they were making the winning plays and we were not so I like I understand that like it's easy to look back at all of those things that happened and be like we were so close but like ultimately what that shows me is like against a bad team we couldn't make any of those plays and, and, you know, win any of those close games. And, like, against a good team, like, I don't see how that gets gets better, even if we squeak by in the series, which I think is partly Daryl's point. Um, and, and, like, going back to the, to the Ben comment, like, I'm maybe a little bit less surprised he didn't lie because I don't think it's even worth it at this point. Like, I'm not saying Ben's definitely gone, um, although I certainly think they'll, they'll try to trade him. I just don't think they'll trade him for... for absolutely nothing um i do think that that they won't have to ultimately but that might take some time but i just think it's going to be so obvious over the next few months that ben is being shopped i think that ben is going to know ben is being shopped and all the teams of the league are going to know and all the fans around the league are going to know um and all the national reporters are going to know um, because he's going to be in discussions with so many teams it's not like he's just in discussions with the rockets and he can say no the rockets lied like 
<laughs> every team's going to be going to Shams and Woj and saying, and, you know, Mark Stein and, and Stephen A. Smith or whatever and saying, yeah, you know, Daryl called us about Ben today. You know, we want him or we don't want him. And you're just going to hear so much that why even lie? Like, I think at that point, it's like, it's like, it means nothing if, if you, if you say that. Yeah, I get that. Um, uh, some other quotes from, from some of the players after the season ended in the exit interviews uh, from Tom West, our, our very own Tom West from Liberty Ballers. He said that uh, Danny Green said that he hasn't had any formal talks with the Sixers yet about whether or not he'll re-sign in free agency. But Doc Rivers told him in his exit meeting earlier, you ain't going, at, you ain't going nowhere. Uh, and then Kyle had this uh, Paul Reed, friend of the podcast, uh, who we, I think, should just get on again. Paul Reed mentions several things he wants to get better at this summer, from passing to shooting to finishing around the basket. And also, quote, moving guys out the way with these new muscles I'm going to have, which I just absolutely love. Uh, any comment on the uh, a couple quotes there from Danny and from Paul, uh, Dan? Well, I would love Danny Green back. Um, I think that that should be Definitely. A, a priority. I think that should be a priority. And just summer. to just uh, to interject, pre- the Sixers obviously don't have real cap space, but since Danny was on the team, they have his bird rights, so they can go over the cap to re-sign Danny uh, if they both. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's 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 was you know so clearly important this year. Um, and I don't want to put the whole collapse on him being out, but uh, they started collapsing after Danny got hurt. Um, and and I think he'd be a huge piece to bring back. I really like Danny Green. He grew on me a ton throughout the season. Um, he works really well with Joel Embiid. Um, I really hope they bring him back. Paul Reed's great. He was on our podcast. He absolutely does need to get stronger. So um, Paul is, you know, always always fun in interviews, but I think that, you know, the substance of what he's saying is, you know, absolutely correct. And not, not that, you know, he would be wrong about what he needs, although if he, if he were, he wouldn't be the, the first sixer to, you know, not know what he needs to get better at. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Paul Reed a lot. I know, you know, he's a, he's a fan favorite, but I actually also just like him a lot as a player. I think that in the future he can, you know, be a rotation guy. I already think he was a lot better than Mike Scott. Um, so I think that going forward, you know, if he can can work on a few things and hopefully, I don't know what he needs to do, but convince Doc to play him because I don't see why he already wasn't getting more minutes. But, you know, every yeah. time he comes in, he's he's a lot of fun. So uh, getting stronger would be big for him and, and, you know, working on his handle a little bit. So, um, but yeah, he's like, he's he's that guy who like, maybe you don't even need to go out and get a small ball five if he makes enough improvements, right? Paul is kind of a small ball five. He gives you shooting. He still could block some shots in there. You know, Dwight can just be switchable. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you believe in him, which I, I think Daryl probably does and doc probably doesn't so much, but, um, I kind of do and think that he can step into that role. So, um, we'll have to, we'll have to see is it's, you know, hard to predict what'll happen, but I, I'm looking forward to see what improvements he makes, you know, coming into uh, Emily, what did you think of those quotes? Yeah, I definitely also want Danny back. I think that I kind of half think that he's like a magician and that is not like Dan said, it's part of his like magic powers as to why the Sixers started to collapse after he got hurt. Like he has three rings for a reason. I think he's like has a bit of a magical power and I would like him back so we can get a ring. Um, but I also just like the way he plays. He plays hard. And I think he's a good, like, locker room guy. I think the, the big energy chain was a Danny Green thing. Right. Um, that he started with the young guys. I think he's a good guy to have in that locker room and kind of keep people together. Um, in regards to Paul, obviously, we all love him. Um, Doc did say at one point in his, I think it was in his exit press, that, that Tyrese and, and B-Ball Paul are the hardest working rookies that he's ever seen. Um, I don't know how much of that is lip service, but they both seem like really hardworking kids. So I think that the improvements that he says he's going to make over the offseason, I, I have faith that he'll put in the work to do that. So I'm excited to see how Paul looks coming into next season. I think that we will see a lot of improvements, and I think he could kind of break his way into the rotation, and I'd love that. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, getting to the chat a little bit here uh, on Green Room. Charles put in the chat, do you all want Ben as a sixer next year? Uh, Roman with a quick no. Um, <laughs> and uh, Charles asked, uh, who could we get for post-playoff Ben? Uh, has his value dropped? And Charles also endorsed Danny, which makes it a clean sweep here. We love Danny and think uh, he would be uh, very helpful. Um, just to you know, go into the Ben conversation, uh, Kevin McCormick, uh, had on Twitter that Brian Windhorst said on ESPN today that Ben Simmons still has value, and if the Sixers decided to gauge his market, there would be more than a dozen offers for him. Um, uh, Bruce Bowen said someplace that uh, I know for a fact that uh, Pop would trade any player on the team to get Ben Simmons, uh, to which DeJounte Murray, the uh, Spurs point guard, responded with a million laughing, crying faces. Really funny. <laughs> um and uh, what else? Yeah. So and also I was listening to Zach Lowe, who said that um, basically, you know, the stench of this playoff series is going to wear off. And then people are going to talk about sort of the totality of Simmons and all of his accolades that he's that he's uh, gotten to this point in his career and his age and think that they could really see, you know, a way that they could change of scenery and, and make him better. Uh, and then the final thing in this you know, thing before we talk about Ben, Jason Dumas, uh, he reported on Twitter, he said three days later, there is still a high sense of embarrassment resonating through Sixers headquarters in Camden, New Jersey. The ownership groups group wants answers and changes. A loss to Milwaukee or Brooklyn would have been disappointing, but acceptable. This was not. He said that he's confirming Stephen A's report earlier in the week. In short, many in the building question Ben Simmons commitment to working on his weaknesses. Simmons was made available for a possible Harden trade, but there were there was plenty in the building who disagreed. The tides have shifted. However, the Sixers will not trade him just to trade him. If value isn't there in return, he will be back. Um, I I don't think that the Sixers will trade him at all costs. I don't think that they will salary dump him for a couple expirings and a pick. Like you know, I think that the Sixers need a, a player back who could be a number two. And who's ready to win right now? Um, I'm very sure that Ben's going to get traded because I think that the offers will not be nothing. I think that there will be enough of a market to enable them to do so. And yes, I certainly want that to happen. Um, we can we're going to have all off season to do like a million fake Ben trades, and we'll get into specifics on that. But just sort of overall, Emily, what do you think about everything? You know, the the conversation about Ben's value you know, coming out of that playoff series and just sort of where it stands now and um, what you what you want to happen and what you think will happen with Ben this. Yeah, I agree with what everyone was reporting. Like, it's low now, and especially among our fan base, it's low because we're all disgusted with the way that he played. But in, you know, give it a month, give it some time, and people are going to – the sting is going to wear off. Well, not for us, but, like, in front offices, the, like, shock and awe of it is going to wear off, and they're going to look at Ben's game. And we said it before, like, Ben is not a bad player. Like, he does a lot of things well. He has, a, like you said, a lot of accolades. He's really young, and a lot of these teams are going to think that they can fix him, and maybe they can. Like, maybe it is just a change of scenery thing that he doesn't fit with Joel and they, everyone thought they, it's kind of like the Sixers. They thought they could make it work, but they can't. So maybe another team can, and a lot of people are going to think that they can save Ben. And I hope that they do. I don't wish him to have like a bad career. I don't ever want him to beat the Sixers, but um, so I think that the offers are going to have value to them because I think Ben can add value to another team. It's just, he doesn't fit here and we're not obviously not going to trade Joel. So He's the one that we have to trade. Um, and so I think there will be value. I'm not sure what the value is. I'm not great at like knowing what places and other teams, um, what he would trade be traded for. Cause I mostly watch a lot of Sixers basketball. Um, but yeah, so that's where I stand with Ben. I do think he'll get traded and I do think we'll get value back for him, but if there is no value, I don't think we'll just trade him for nothing. That's for sure. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Right. You know, for me, it feels like one of those situations where they act for a lot of different reasons, uh, not the least of which is also Ben, like his own thing. You know, like I think that for everybody, you have to trade him, but I, they, they certainly aren't going to be just like, you know, over a barrel and, and get nothing, get no value for Ben, because I think it's a big, a big moment. Um, I also wanted to uh, bring up before we go to Dan, you know, Dan Lebetard said someplace uh, about the fans reaction to Ben. He said, I think it's an ugly part of the city. Their fandom is cruel. There's a pride in how mean they can be. They file it under caring, but it can be very cruel. You know, I don't think this is fair at all. I don't like the three of us were at game five, which was an absolute collapse. And they were doing the hack Ben thing. And the stadium was cheering him on to make a free throw at some point, like at any point, as if he was like the team manager who gets to play at the end of the year on senior night. Like, I don't know, man. I, you know, certainly there are lots of like different corners of Philadelphia fandom that can be unkind and unfair, but like the majority of the fans, especially in those stadiums was cheering him on because they wanted to see him knock down a free throw, one of the most basic things he could do. So yeah, I, I think that's an unfair characterization. Um, also in the uh, in the chat here, uh, Nolan wrote, what about trading Ben to the Cavs? Uh, again, we'll get to fake Ben trades. I just don't know anything the Cavs have that would give the Sixers a number two, uh, you know, next to Joel. So I, I don't really know about that. Um, Dan, what do you think of all this stuff with Ben and the the question of his value and and uh, everything? Yeah, I mean, I think his value is definitely dropped. He does this in the playoffs every year, um, and, and it's not a mystery, right? Like, I don't think it was surprising. I wrote about this the other day, but like when he comes back and he hasn't improved any of the things that held him back in the playoffs before, why should we think he'd be better in the playoffs this year? And you know, t- other teams see this. I will disagree with Emily a bit in that I actually don't think he's a bad fit on the team compared to what his fit would be on other teams. Um, Like the Sixers, I think, you know, Joel really enables Ben defensively. Like Ben's a great defender no matter what, but but Joel is, is such a great pairing for him on the defensive end, which is where he brings so much of his value. And offensively, like what more do you want to give him than, you know, your worst three-point shooter being a 38% shooter and, you know, having Seth Curry, Danny Green, um, and like the, the two, you know, two above 40% three-point shooters. Like the Sixers have so many players around him that, you know, ideally would make Ben better. And I'm, I'm not sure what else you want. Like, yes, the, the team goes through Joel because Joel is their best player. And maybe you optimize Ben specifically, by, you know, having like five, you know, just shooters who don't do a ton else and just playing through Ben, but that team would suck. Like that team would be awful. So that, I don't see how that's like, you know, can you really say that's optimizing him when like, yeah, his stats might be optimal, but the team will be awful. Like you want to optimize him in a championship situation. And I'm not sure how you can do that much better than the Sixers have, to be honest. Um, and I think other teams probably see that. Like, I don't think, I, I do believe, right, that there are, you know, like a dozen teams, like Wendy said, that, that might want Ben because Ben has been very good, uh, especially in the regular season, although I thought he was not that good this year. Um, he's still, 
you know, 20, well, he's turning 25 in a month, but he's, you know, still pretty young, relatively, like not quite what, you know, where his prime should start yet. Although you worry about the lack of improvement leading up to it. Maybe this is what he is, but, but, you know, teams will take a shot three time all-star. He's been good for a long time. Um, I, I just think that, you know, our expectations, uh, will have to be lowered. I, I mean, and they're already lowered in a sense, right? Like, because I was, I was all in on, on trying to get Harden. There were Sixers fans who didn't want to give Ben for Harden straight up. And apparently some in the front office, which to me, I mean, why did you hire Daryl if you're just going to have like people who just really like Ben and don't like care about anything else chiming in? Like we, we've done the collaborative thing. It's stupid. And we brought in a guy we're paying 12 million a year. Why are there other voices in the front office at all? There should be, I mean, I'm sure he asked people what they think, but like, like what are we doing here like like how can you guys be this far apart where you guys think that ben shouldn't be traded straight up for Harden and daryl's offering every pick we have like like how how are you this far apart on what should be our our either our second best player or our biggest asset like that cannot happen like that you cannot be that far apart on the guy um and and uh, you already see it now because even a lot of people who you know who really didn't want to give Ben are now saying things like, well, well, we could probably get CJ, but I don't know if I really want CJ. And, you know, I would really love Zach Levine. I don't know if we could get Zach Levine, right? Like that's the area we need to be looking at right now. I, I think that the, the days of even say, say Lillard asks out, right? Like is Ben and all our picks getting Lillard? Like Lillard's definitely a, a, a worse player than Harden pretty clearly, but is Ben and all our picks getting lower. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced they can get a better package because I don't think Ben, you know, has that value that we thought he once had and maybe didn't have because we didn't get Harden ultimately, but I mean, where we thought he was, you know, the player who could be traded that could top everything around the league. Like, I don't, he's certainly not that right. Like, so of those guys, and we will, I'm sure we'll get into it more later. I like Levine. Um, probably the most of, of the guys I think we actually could get, but I'm not sure. Maybe we have to give a pick there, right? And Levine's going to get a huge contract this summer, a bigger contract than Ben's because, you know, the, the cap goes up and he's going to get a max. So uh, I just, I don't, I don't really know. I think that it's, it's a tough situation and it's a, it's a bad look on the, on the Sixers that it got to this point, if it's true. And, and one of my fears is that, um, you know, the Sixers could have, and I have, none of the reporting has confirmed this, but this is just like a fear of mine inside is that the Sixers could have traded Ben and maybe a couple picks for Harden before the season started. And they said, well, we don't see a ton of other teams involved. Let's just wait it out. And, you know, if the situation gets bad, then the Rockets might drop their price. And then maybe we give Ben in like one pick. Um, and in doing that, the Nets got desperate. Right as the situation got bad, the Sixers decided that they, you know, were going to, you know, then give everything because the Nets were, and it still wasn't enough. And that, you know, for me, the the Harden thing, I just think there's probably enough reporting that Fertitta is never just going to trade Harden to Philadelphia. Like the the GM that just left them for a new team, they weren't going to just trade him the best player, and. um I, I tend to believe that. I tend to believe that there is no price that Maury wouldn't have met to get Harden back. And I just, you know, I, I think it was Shams that reported that, uh, you know, the Sixers were basically used as a leverage play and that uh, they were never going to do that deal. Now, if Ben was better and more valuable, maybe they, Fertitta ends up swallowing his pride in doing it. But I think one way or another, Houston was never going to make that deal. And I, I don't really think it was uh, the Sixers error of like miscalculating when to make it. That, I mean, that's a guess. Who knows? Um, the other thing that I forgot to include in this is you, Dan, you alluded to Yaron Weitzman. Yaron Weitzman was our first guest ever on the podcast. Uh, he writes for Fox Sports now, and he had a Big Ben feature the day after. He even he teased it and was like, there's going to be some stuff in here that Sixers fans like. Um, I'm not sure what he meant by that, but there's nothing that we like. Um, but it's really well done, and he's got some great reporting in here that is just, you know, talking about a guy as like a hard worker or not a hard worker, like I always feel like it's sort of 
like yucky and I, I don't know I don't like doing that but there's a lot in here about you know him like you said he was working with I think his name is John Townsend who was a, a shooting coach who had been shooting 70% in the playoffs uh, I believe in 2019 and then after the year Ben essentially fires him and um, hires his brother to help him with shooting and uh, obviously nothing happened Jim O'Brien uh, behind closed doors saying, show me one area where Ben Simmons has gotten better. And there's the room is silent. Uh, and then this sort of, uh, there's two exchanges. There's one where Yaron was talking to him about shooting a corner three and the value of shooting a corner three. And Ben basically talks around it and says, it's a hard pass for Joel to make in this very specific instance. Um, and then there's from after game seven, uh, I want to find it because I want to uh, just be able to read it because it was really unbelievable. Um, then came game seven. During his post-game news conference, one reporter asked Simmons why his performance in the playoffs always seems to drop. Simmons turned to a Sixers staffer seated alongside him. How many assists did I have? The answer was 13. I mean, I feel like I found my guys tonight, which I do in the regular season regardless. Uh, he then turned to the staffer again. What did Trey shoot? The answer was five for 23. Like that's your own calls it a revealing moment. And I agree. Like that is the complacency that people like Stephen A or, or Jason are now like uh, reporting about. Like that's embarrassing for you to like lose to the Hawks in seven games and for you to have an obviously terrible series and to like go to those places. I just feel like is, is pretty symbolic of, of what the Ben thing has been. Uh, Emily, do you have a reaction to uh, what your own had here on Ben? Yeah. I mean, especially that post game from game seven, it's just like, it's, it shows like a lack of humility. And I, I don't want to like attack his character. Right. That's like an awful thing to do, right. but it just seems like he like, and I, and I hate to compare him to, to Joel or anyone else but Joel is always like I need to do better like I wasn't good enough I'm so sorry Danny Green was like we're all so disappointed and Ben is like why at 13 assists like that's not the guy that you like that is gonna like help your team and like rally them together and like take any part of the blame or be like okay guys we have to you know, I mean, I know this isn't like a high school football team or like high school basketball team. And like, we're all going to rah, rah, get together and like go to a right. party and solve our differences. But like, it just, it just shows it. I feel like it's like a lack of ownership over what he's doing. And it's kind of just like, all right, well, I did what I needed to do. Like, I guess everyone else failed and it, that's not how it works. And to say that after game seven, after that loss and not even be like, that was really shitty. Like we all feel like shit. It's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, you, you try to think of how is it possible that he has the exact same deficiencies that he had four years ago? And that, a quote like that is why. Like, because he is good enough at other things and clearly is not uh, going to work on the, the holes in his game to make them better. And I think that that, that quote represents that. Dan, are you uh, basically of the same mind with that? Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things you said earlier, I think we can word it in a way that maybe you're more comfortable with, which is Ben very may may well be a hard worker. We don't have any way to know, but I would imagine he is. I mean, you don't get to the NBA without working hard for the most part. Um, But he's, he's not willing to make the sacrifices, right? Like, I'm sure he's in the gym all the time working on the things that he's good at and sometimes the things he's bad at but that's not a sacrifice and i don't mean like a personal life sacrifice like i don't care what he does in his free time i I don't you know i don't i don't care about you know dating kendall jenner or anything like that good for him none of that i don't mean anything in that regard what i'm saying is like ben is not comfortable with certain things and he refuses to go outside of that comfort zone and the sacrifice he needs to make is to go outside of his comfort zone is to change his form and i like listen like kevin o'connor wants him to shoot righty i don't even mean that but like to, to deal with, you know, coaching from anyone outside of your own family, like a real, like, I'm sure his brother knows basketball, but like lots of people know basketball, like a real shooting coach who works with other NBA players who has fixed other NBA player shots. They exist. Um, there's a lot of them. And he's not doing that. And his, and you see it, right? Like he, you see him take shots. Like I'm sure he gets like hundreds of shots up a day and, and that's his, 
hard work working on it. And I know it's hard work and he's putting some level of work in, but there's a sacrifice needed to like, like, I mean, I'm not sure that if he changes form, be any worse than 30% from the foul line, but before the mental stuff from the foul line to, to make the sacrifice to like, let's start at ground zero. Let's take a summer and rebuild this form. And he's had five years to do it and he hasn't done it. He had a full year off where he could have done it. You know, he had a full year where he was hurt. And I know it's not like, like off, but like where he didn't have to shoot in games. So the misses didn't matter. And he hasn't done that at, at all. And, and his form looks, in my opinion, like worse than ever, worse than it did to start the season. He's shooting line drives from the foul line because he doesn't really know what he's doing up there because he hasn't you know, put in the work to fix that kind of thing. And he hasn't really put in any kind of work to maybe he has and he's just terrible at it. And that's a different deal. But fr- from what I can tell, he hasn't experimented with any kind of new, you know, moves, whether it's, you know, different types of finishes when driving from runners to floaters or any kind of post move. Like if you can only score five feet and in, then you better be really good at scoring five feet and in, but he's not, he only scores if he's wide open five feet and in, or if he occasionally hits that like kind of ridiculous running hook that he probably shoots like 40% on. Like, yeah. He doesn't, he hasn't put in the work. Well, he hasn't put in the sacrifice is, is how I want to say it. To, to go outside his comfort zone and to and to get good at any kind of offensive finishing move, any kind of creation for himself, any kind of shooting. Like, just because you practice it doesn't mean you're practicing it the right way. And part of the reason yeah, yeah, the other thing is the like, wrong way is that you're not working with real NBA coaches. Like, that's a problem. The other thing is, like, either you're not putting in the work or you're putting in the work, and for some reason you're improving 0%. So, like... I don't know which is worse, but they're both really bad because like either he's not working on these things or uh, developing new skills or he's trying to and he's simply unable to, uh, which honestly might be even a bigger red flag. Um, You know, I don't think he's going to he's a bad player and I don't think he's going to be bad for or, or this exact player forever necessarily. But I've never been more confident that it's not going to happen here, you know, in Philadelphia. Um so it's a, obviously a, we wish we weren't doing this podcast. We wish that we were reviewing game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, but they're not. And this is uh, this is sort of how it works. Um, that's going to just about do it for us here on uh, on Green Room. Do you guys have anything else before we sort of go to the outro here? I do have one other quick thing Please. kind of on Ben. I just want to say that, like you just said, you're really confident that, you know, Ben's not going to do is not going to like keep his career going in Philadelphia and I'm the same. And I just want to say like, that's a real bummer. Yeah. Like it's really disappointing that this is how it ends. And I think a lot of like Sixers fans feel that. And we, I feel like sometimes it's like not okay to express that because like, you know, the numbers don't lie. His performance doesn't lie. It obviously isn't working out here, but that just kind of sucks. Like Ben oh, yeah. has been like a cornerstone for the past few years. He's the second star on the team and to be like, you're, it doesn't work here. And we drafted him. I love guys that we draft and come up in the system. I always wanted to have like a homegrown team versus a, a Brooklyn-esque mm-hmm. team. And so it just, it just sucks. And I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I think that's a great point. And I think that a lot of fans are going through that right now. And you know, I think there's very few, you know, we know who they are, but there's very few people still on the Ben side of this saying that he's great and the problem was Doc and that um, we shouldn't trade him. Um, but uh, I think lots of other fans have just sort of come to the other side of it and been like, well, shit, this doesn't work and we have to trade him. And it's such a bummer that uh, that it didn't work out the way that it looked at one, one, at one time like it really would. Um, and I think that, like, you know, Steve, you and I, you know, probably more so than Emily, we're, we're basically out on Ben for b- before this Hawk series, right? Like, and mm-hmm. not, you know, you have to trade him, but, but, you know, these same frustrations are not mm-hmm. exactly new. They're, they're built up over the years. And some people, you know, kind of had their, their point earlier than others. Um, e- even then, though, like, you know, I was all in on trading for Harden and I was, you know, basically throughout the season, you know, before 
you know, his value clearly dropped as far. I was thinking about like, what if Curry asked out? What if Lillard asked out? Because I, I, I truly did not feel like he was going to be the second best player on a championship team in Philadelphia, or, or quite frankly, I'm, I'm not sure where he would be. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's, that's this year. Even, even the people who've been out on Ben for a little while, like at one point we were all in on Joel and Ben and like, what can we get around Joel and Ben? Yeah. And like these guys are the future. Uh, I mean, Ben's rookie year was unbelievable for, he was like a top 30 player immediately. His second season, he was, you know, I don't think perfect, but like Jimmy, you know, didn't necessarily completely make sense. And then they built the team around him and it was just like, after they tried a million things and he didn't get better, it, it the the magic of of how cool Ben was and and how fun his rookie year was kind of wore off and and even like you know I think the best we ever saw Ben was his rookie year was that you know seventeen game winning streak including game one of the playoffs a lot of which Joel was out for um, and Ben was like really leading the team through that and was playing you know more assertively than than we've seen him and and I think we've reached a point where everyone almost everyone agrees it's time to move on but like even the people who reached that point before i think are i that my long-winded way of saying is like we're sad about it too because i really wish it could have worked out and and you know there's there's a world where ben gets better every year and stays assertive like you did in that 17 game win streak and you know we got jimmy butler and ben was willing to make the sacrifices to play with joel and play with jimmy and make that team work and that universe isn't this one, but that universe probably has the Sixers winning like multiple championships with a core that's still like, you know, mid twenties. And it's sad that we're not there. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to have a long time to talk about it and deal with the emotion on every side of it. Um, And uh, yeah, that's just going to do it for us here. I mean, next week we're going to have a lot to talk about. I figured it would be, uh, a good thing we can do like sort of a Sixers stay or go for each member of the team. And we can talk about, you know, in our opinion, should they and then will they. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll tie up some of the other stuff uh, from the end of the season stuff for the Sixers and Joel's uh, Supermax and all of that kind of stuff we have coming up. Uh, but I think that's it for us. Um, we'll be back this weekend. Uh, with another regular episode and then next week uh, at some point I think we'll probably find another time to do another green room thank you guys for listening and coming and hanging out and please continue to do so we'll get into more fake trades as the offseason really kicks up and uh, yeah I think that's it you guys good yep yeah all right good talking to you guys have a great day Emily good luck with that tree thank you see you guys see you guys bye